How is it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast is created to highlight the many dedicated and passionate anglers in our fishing community today. To be able to provide them with an opportunity and a platform to share their story with the world. Thank you guys for listening, and if you're not already, head over to my YouTube channel called Igbra Outdoors and click that subscribe button. Thank you guys for listening, and enjoy today's episode. In today's podcast, we host Dwayne Beatty, a kayak bass angler who also is a master at crafting his own crankbaits called Skirmish Baits. Check them out. The link's below, and enjoy today's podcast. All right. I think we're good. All right. Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. Tonight we are joined by Mr. Dwayne Beatty. How are we doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, man? Good, good. It's good to have you on. Uh, we've had a lot of KBF, kayak bass, kayak bass fishing guys on here, but uh, really what we want to you know, keep expanding, so who better than, to, than yourself to have on here? So uh, awesome, we're going to... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get started. So uh, pretty much how we start each podcast. Um, pretty much, I want to know, you know, how you got into fishing, who got you into it, and the whole story. My mom used to take me when I was like a year and a half old. It was like probably when I first started going fishing, and I can remember all the way back to catching fish when I couldn't reel, and I would just walk backwards until the fish was out on the bank. <laughs> so I mean, I've been fishing all my life, literally. And as far as the kayak goes, it was October 2015 when I got in my first kayak. Oh, wow. So not, not really too long ago then. It was, it's no, really no, it's recent. been a pretty short career as far as the kayak goes, but it's absolutely the best thing I've done fishing-wise since I started. I'm, I feel at home in the kayak more than anything I've ever done. I, I can tell by the, uh, the signs behind you that you're... You're, you're, you feel pretty comfortable where you're at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad I have the other years of experience beforehand instead of yeah. just starting recently because it all pays off because fishing's fishing. But yeah, but the kayak itself and and the tournaments and everything, that just feels more at home than anything I've ever done fishing-wise. Yeah, that's awesome. When did, so I guess like because you've been obviously you've been fishing practically your entire life. Has it has it always been bass or have you kind of like? I mean, I've fished for other things. Like if my parents were crappie fishing or something, you know, I would do that. But I pretty I've been pretty focused on bass my whole life. Anytime there was bass to be caught where I was at, that's what I would be doing. It's awesome. So always kind of been drawn to you know catching bass and looking for that. Yeah, I remember the first fish i caught on a top water i was throwing a head and tiny torpedo okay. in the frog color and i was just throwing it out and reeling it in i wasn't you know jerking yep. and whatever just yep. reeling it straight in and that was probably about one of the first bass i caught and i remember it to this day and it's pretty much been bass ever since then yeah the uh, uh torpedo the, the original <laughs> the original whopper plopper is what the people yeah. like Oh, yeah, exactly. Like to call Especially it. if you reel it straight in like that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, nowadays, I mean, I I've, I found you know I I had the whopper plopper for probably a year and I didn't catch a single thing on it until I started using it on like a popper, like doing uh-huh. almost like almost like a jerk bait, I guess in a sense. And that's right. when you like kind of it was it's kind of cool like kind of getting off topic, but how you different baits kind of work when you think they're supposed to be you know work a certain way. 
how you know each fish thinks differently and you know reacts differently. Yeah. It's, so the whopper plopper, I was told about that like two years before it got famous when it first came out, and I didn't even buy one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't it, hop on the train. Unfortunate. Yeah, that's about the third thing I've been told through people in the industry. You know, hey, this is what they're throwing if they're not telling anybody. <laughs> It's like, the same thing with the Alabama rig. And, it's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, and a little slow to jump on bandwagons like that, but when you hear about something ahead of time, it's probably better not to do like me and to, <laughs> to listen. <laughs> Just take a shot and, you know, give it yeah. a shot. Yeah. yeah, you might want to pick something up if you hear that. Yeah, not, now I'm a little bit more loyal to the, the Chapo. I, I like that one a little bit better. But um, Yeah, we, we have one at Skirmish Baits called the Pin Dragon. And it's actually louder. To me, it's a louder thump than the actual whopper plopper, which is more subtle. And sometimes they like one over the other, but I like that loud, louder sound. Yeah, it gives you it gives you a different option. But yeah, I didn't even know that you guys had made those. I'm gonna have to look into that. Yeah, we don't have one. We don't. We they're seasonal, and we have our set site set up so that if something's out of stock, you can't see it, so that there's I not. Because we have hundreds of things because I paint so many different colors that I don't want a bunch of stuff on there that's out of stock and have people have to look for something to buy. So everything you can see is in stock. And then, um, so like those are out of season right now, but we'll be getting them pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get into that in a little bit and talk all about, you know, the baits and your, your customization and everything, but kind of want to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Um, so last week we talked about how you went addicted to bass fishing, you know, since obviously since, you know, pretty much your entire life because your mom would always take you. Um, when did you kind of, when did it hit you or did you kind of come to the realization that you wanted to get in a kayak? I actually was fishing. I had fished co-angler stuff out of a bass boat tournaments and stuff for quite a few years. Like in the 90s, I used to fish um, the Oklahoma Bass Federation when I lived over there in different um club things and whatever and then at i had gotten away from all of that and i had gotten to a point where all i was fishing was out of a two-man bass boat just small stuff and i got to see and and made friends with some people that were kayak fishing and it took about a year almost it was probably early 2015 when i first started meeting these people and it took them until the end of the year to convince me to buy a kayak. <laughs> and that's when it kind of just took off once you once you got bought one. And... Oh yeah, I was ready to go as soon as I got it. I I started fishing online tournaments because it was I got it the day of the last club tournament of the year, so I didn't get to fish that. I was on my way to pick it up when they were on a Saturday when they were having the last club tournament, and so they. That was all of that, but there was some online tournaments. I think it was Angler Combat or something at the time. That's been a while, <laughs> and so that that went away. But I I fished a few of those. Was my first actual tournaments that were, but they were just onlines. But it was something to get me started, you know, because literally half of kayak fishing is being able to take the pictures and bump your fish and keep them in the boat yeah yeah definitely. that's just as important as anything else yeah so, totally what was um what was your first kayak like what model i had a 
um, Slayer 13 from Native. Native um, Slayer 13, the. So I had um, it had pedals. I almost went with something without pedals to put my time in or whatever, you know. Yeah. But I actually had just sold a website to somebody and built their website, so I had the money to get one with pedals. So I just went ahead and got pedals, and um, I'm glad because my style of fishing, I fish really fast, and I throw moving baits most of the time. I'm versatile, but that's my if that's happening, that's what I'll be doing. And yeah. so being able to be hands-free makes a big difference with my style of fishing for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I can relate entirely. I mean, I started out with a, a fuel and stream shadow caster and that right. practically a barge. Uh, it's, it's really hard for, for me. Obviously I love fishing shallow cause that's kind of, you know, it's how you start out, but right. uh, I grew a love for, for fishing deep and finding those fish on the graph and, kind of picking it apart, putting it, it's like a whole different science, I guess, to it. Um, you know, fishing deep versus fishing shallow, because fishing shallow, it's more of a, a sight fishing game uh, than anything else. Um, so I, I found a love for fishing deep and finding structure in different areas and picking apart with when you really can't see them very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, you know, when you're in deeper water, naturally it means you're more exposed, you're more main lake to, you're more exposed to wind. So you're getting pushed around and with a paddle, you know, that's, as you, as you know, it, it's hard to, to focus and fish if you're trying to paddle and hold your rod and be efficient at the same time. So once I went for that switch from a Shadowcaster to a, I'm in a, a Wildy Radar 135 now uh-huh. with the pedals, now it's completely different. You know, I can stay in that same spot offshore. I can still read my graph and be efficient at the same time. It's, it's all, I guess, it's all preference in your style of fishing. Um, yeah, and... You know, if that's what I find is offshore fish, then I'll absolutely do that. It's just like last year at the the FLW Cup, the FLW KBF Cup at Washita. That event, it was actually won on brush piles or something deep, but I got second, and I could find brush piles, but they were like two miles apart, mm. and so. When I would find one, it wasn't something that I could just run. It was just too far. You know, yeah. one wouldn't produce five good fish. I would. I didn't. wasn't finding that quality. Yeah. And so what I wound up doing is just fishing topwater shallow all day, both days, and running as much water as I possibly could. I was going like ten miles a day. Sheesh. Oh yeah. Moving. Moving. Do you not run that much. Do you not run that much water. I mean. I guess it depends on what I'm doing. I mean, I, I know sometimes when I find an area, I like to really pick it apart, like, completely. Um, I notice, like, sometimes I find when I cover the most waters when I'm fishing with somebody else, and we're just going to keep going along and finding different areas. But yeah. when I when I, I'm, I get so focused when I find an offshore area that I, like, hunker down and don't want to move because I feel like I'm going to miss it. You know, as soon as I right. leave, something's going to fire up. Yeah. So for me, I like to find one to three areas within like a couple miles and just pick them apart. And that's that's kind of how I do things. I'm obviously going to branch out, you know, obviously start moving a lot more. But it, I guess it's just like if the fish are there and I'm on yeah. them, I'm not going to leave them. It's, yeah, and if I find fish offshore, I'll absolutely do it. And this new Hobie with the 360, oh, it is insane how you can sit on a spot, you know. And Oh, yeah. I mean – 
it it just it's completely different than just having forward and backwards and whatever. I mean, it's un. I haven't even figured out all the uses for it for what it's going to be doing. And you're in one now. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's I got awesome. for 2020, and I've already got it. So, but yeah, it's Sweet. it's just insane. It. I had an idea of what I thought it would do before yep. I got in one, you know, but the things it actually does are more useful than what I thought it did. Does that make sense? You know what yeah, I'm saying? You can literally, you can go like, you can pedal sideways, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's ridiculous. Like you can, you can hit a stretch of docks and, and stay at that. Yeah. Same. yeah. What you can do around docks and things with getting a cast where you want is just insane. Oh but just, you know, the worst thing in kayak fishing is when you get a quartering wind behind you that's just light. Just a little light wind wants to turn your boat. And you yeah. can counter that with this like nothing I've ever been in. So, so yeah, it's it's amazing what you can do to line up your casts on offshore stuff. Have you been taking it out yet from 2020? Um, I have. I don't think I've been out since the first of the year. Mm -hmm. But I've been out. I got it in October, so I've been in it a little bit already. Nice. This, so, what are you what are you looking this, forward to coming up for 2020 in the 360? Um, I am fishing a mixture of lots of different things. I'm fishing. I think the first thing I have I'm going to fish will be the Hobie BOS on fork. I think that's going to be number one. And then right after that, I believe March 14th or something, there's a BASS on Fork. And I'm not sure. We'll see how the first one goes. I've never been to Fork. I, I went to school for a while in Paris, Texas, right by it and never fished it while I was there. I didn't even realize how close I was until later when I wasn't going to school there anymore. I looked on the map. I was like, geez, I was right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was bad. But, but yeah, I've never been there. But a lot of my really good finishes and wins have been in places I've never been. So I'm not really worried about that. But I'm going to let that one decide on the next one. And there's – we've got they – re, they redesignated our section instead of the southeast, which is nowhere near Arkansas – in KBF this year, our trail events are in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, and um, Louisiana. So mm -hmm. those are all within range. So I think there's two or there's at least three of those, and I may hit them all four. It depends on how I'm doing. Within those, there's one to three Hobies, depending on how I do on the first one that I may hit. There's We've got a KBF. Trey or a KBF pro event at Conway in Arkansas. I've never been to that lake either, but it's close, so I'm planning on fishing that one. So, and then probably just that one BASS event. If I happen to do real well there, I may hit the next one, but I'm definitely not hitting the first one that's in Florida. That's just too far. I don't travel that far, but. There, last year, there was literally two national events close enough for me to fish. And this year, there's like 10. Like, I may not have enough um, resources to fish as many as I have this year, which is a good problem to have because last year, like I say, there was nothing. Yeah. And last year, I had two national events. I fished the 
national championship and placed ninth in that, which that was great. Caddo mm-hmm. was awesome. That that whole area, all of those lakes were really neat down there. And then I fished the the KBF FLW Cup, which was in at Washita, which is in my home state, but I've never fished that lake until then. So, but I got second in that one. So, so what limited national stuff was, I did well. So I was happy with that, but I'm really glad that there's more close enough that I'll be able to fish more of them this year. Yeah. More tournaments that are going to be, you know, in your radius. I think yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like a, yeah. a huge number compared to last year, what we had. So that's really good. And lots of different things, too. So. Yeah. yeah, it definitely helps that, you know, you have an additional series coming into play this year. Yes. And Hobies, it seems like they're expanding, you know, their, their range of tournaments and locations. Yeah. Um, I think it's Hobie, the, the one I'm trying to do on Lake Erie. Uh, there's uh-huh. one coming up, I think it's September, I believe. I can't remember the exact date, but I think they have one uh, in September. I hope to do that one. Um, I'm still waiting on, you know, I think there's supposed to be, there's supposed to be like one in each state or something like that, or majority of states for BASS. Um, I'm hoping to do one in New York if they do have one in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, good friend of mine who's been on the podcast, Tyler Sweet is uh, the director for mm-hmm. New York. So nice. And I like message him every day, poke him. Like you got a decision yet where it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. There may even be some more cause they're talking about doing satellite events and stuff. Yep. So yeah. There may even be some more opportunities there that I don't know about yet, too. So definitely yeah. going to be a good year for accessibility to good events close to me. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because um, I know KBF does a lot of the online stuff where it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have like the month longs. And it, it reaches a lot more people because it's not very much like obviously you have a lot of people who can reach a live event, but uh-huh. you're still missing out on a lot that can't reach that live event or, you know. We have a lot of weekend warriors and blue collar folks in the in, in kayak bass fishing, and that's what kind of what we pride ourselves on, you know, not right, having right. glamorous eighty thousand dollar boats. Um, so basically, I think what's going to be awesome is to see if you know Hobie or BASS get involved with the, the online ones and see who who branches into that. Because you know, you could if you think about it, if everybody does it, you could be fishing like three online tournaments, and you might do terrible in one, but win the other one. So it's right. It'll right. depend on what you do. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see what what they make of it because it's it's kayak bass fishing, and while being on a boat is amazing, kayak bass fishing is totally different because you have so many different options you can do with competition. Where like boaters, you know anybody, you know it's gonna be hard to to have like a a month long tournament online with boaters. I mean it's it would just yeah. Be interesting. If, they, oh. if you could get boaters to go away from weight and not scoff at length like they do, they could use Tourney X and do exactly like we do. But yep. but yeah. as long as they're so focused on weight, it's really hard. Because even these new scales and things that they've got that do it, I still wouldn't. It's It just seems really easy to cheat on that. And, yep. Yeah, I mean, you I've heard of some horror stories of guys trying to do online tournaments with weight, and it's you know, they'll say like, "Oh, you need a picture for proof," but then you got only got like a sideways picture, and guys are dropping one ounce tungstens in the fish. Yeah, like it's, yeah. I just, I, I just don't see a way to do it with weight. I'm sure the technology yeah. will be around eventually, but I just don't see a way. And you can't. It's not reasonable to expect people to marshal for a small tournament like that, you know. Yeah. And then if you draw out with people and have them do it, if you get the wrong pair that are crooked, then 
they're going to cheat. So, and I mean, I know there's been things come up in kayak fishing, but it's new and they're catching it and they're figuring out how to find out about things. And yeah, you know, it gets better every year as far as keeping that stuff out. So, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty exciting to see where different things go and, you know, how far things branch out. And, you know, it's, I know FLW had their stint with, with KBF. It's going to be interesting to see how well BAS does, you know, BASS, yeah. I think yeah. has, in my opinion, I think they have a level up on FLW just because, you know, everyone has seen that logo. Um, I think it has a little bit more of a credibility to it. Um, and I, I've mentioned that before on here, but I think moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see if this is something they're going to stay in and if something they're actually going to fully pursue to its entirety. It's, it'll, yeah, it'll be I would not be surprised if MLF doesn't get in kayaks soon because it's tailor-made with them and their conservation idea of letting the fish go immediately and stuff. I mean, it just makes sense that they would. I yeah. mean, they just started the BPT, so they're probably going to get that ironed out first. But I think they're going to watch what's going on, and eventually, hopefully, they'll get in too. Yeah. And I know there's some certain regions that are starting to have like smaller, um, I guess, groups, like private groups. I wouldn't uh -huh. call them private groups, but some some areas I know in the Northeast, there's a group that uh, that I'm not allowed to mention just yet because they told me to keep it hush. But they have uh -huh. that style. They're going to implement it and see how it works. And it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who goes after that and, and whatnot. But uh, there's so, like, like I said, there's so many different avenues you can do with a oh, yeah. with kayak bass fishing. There's so many different you know, different ways you can be creative and, uh, you know, draw interest and more anglers. And I think it's, you know, it's only going to be sky's the limit from here. For Yeah. And what we're missing right now, everyone who's a fan of the sport is also someone who fishes in the sport. Mm -hmm. We've got one of these trails has to figure out how to get fans who are watching, but don't participate. That's mm -hmm. when we'll really get that explosive growth. Because yeah. right now, ever like at the national championship, everybody there basically, unless they're running a booth or something, they're one of the anglers. It's yeah. a huge deal. It's awesome, but we're not we're not set up to attract fans of the sport or pull that kind of you know. And that's what if somebody can figure that out, then that'll be the dominant trail or whatever. Yeah, and that, that I mean, I'll be I'll be upfront and honest with you. Um, I had gone to chat about that. Um, I thought, you know, the one thing we're lacking, you take, and this was two years ago, and uh, I was kind of like in college thinking of different, you know, business propositions and what I want to do after college. Uh -huh. um, and I had gone to him and I said, you know, I looked at KBF and then I looked at, at the time was Bassmaster, FLW, right. and then obviously MLF was, that's when their announcements are starting to come out. Mm -hmm. and I said, one thing that we don't have that the rest of them do have is a live production where some way for people to watch and right. see what exactly you do. Because from, like you said, we don't have, you know, the fans watching. You don't, right. I mean, all they see is articles of these guys in the kayak holding a fish or on their feet with a board with inches. Mm -hmm. They don't see anything else. Yeah. You know, all they see is a post recap of the winner of a national championship out in the water on a YouTube channel. So yeah. I was like, there's these, there's a thing now you can have like these DSLR cameras that with a backpack, you know, it's relatively inexpensive for what you'd think it would cost mm -hmm. to produce a live stream. And you could follow around the anglers that are doing well on the scoreboards. You could easily right. find them. 
you know, it, it'd be like a almost like a like a live stream, like how how Bassmaster has Bass Live. You could do something in you know that sort for people to come in and watch. Like I, I'm sure there's so many family members that don't fish or not into fishing that want to watch. You know, their husband, their son, cousin, whoever on the water, and that's you know if you involve families at a national championship, you know, 400 anglers at least. That's a lot of people to watch. Yeah, and if you paired that with Tourney X and watching on there, you know, and what happens a lot of tournaments, they turn Tourney X off at a certain point to build drama. Mm-hmm. But when it's only the anglers, there's not really any drama you're building. You know, yeah. it's not. And that to me, that's like, like if you're watching a basketball game and they shut it off, turned it off TV for the last 10 minutes or something. Yeah. You know, that's just counterintuitive to me. If somebody's watching, you want them to watch completely through, not turn it off. It's because people just don't have that attention span. They're going to go do something else and they're not going to be back for weigh in. That's just not how it's going to be. That's just not realistic. Yeah. I understand what they think they're doing, but I don't think human behavior does what they think they, I think they're wrong. I think it should be on the whole time, right up till the end. You know, you still have issues where if somebody has a bad fish, it's going to change the outcome or whatever. But unofficial standings, I believe, should be on right till the the cutoff from fishing. Yeah, I think what they do, I think their reasoning behind it uh, is because I think they want to draw more anglers to the weigh-in, or not, I guess not the weigh-in, but the awards afterwards. Because I think, you know, if you're watching to the end, you already see, you know, for the majority, you have a good point that you can still... You can still score fish entirely differently, which will change things up. But I think for the majority, you know, if you got you got guys that can see who won, whatever, they don't know. They'll be like, all right, well, I don't really care. I know who won, saw the standings. I don't need to see anything. I'm going to get out of here. Yeah, so I, well, my answer to that, you don't get any points if you don't come. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's no. true. But this is what, I, what I'm thinking is like a good solution to all that where you uh-huh. can, you know, if you're an angler, so you make you have your membership. You're fishing a KBF event, let's say. You're fishing mm-hmm. KBF. Let's say it's let's let's go big. Let's say you're fishing KBF National Championship, and you have a um, angler profile, but I think you should create a fan profile where it says you are just there to view you, or you don't even actually you don't even have to have a fan profile. You are an angler and you're submitted into a tournament. You're registered, and that automatically blinds you from the standings beyond your own fishing, like your own fish catch, your own five fish. Right. Right. That would be a perfect way to draw everyone to the actual event, so that, that you still have that drama, that suspense amongst anglers, mm-hmm. which you know it's that competitive drive that we have. But in the same sense, you still have that live feed, like a, almost like a bass track in a sense for the fans watching. I right. think that would be a perfect mix. Right. As long as there was some way where you couldn't log on to someone else's thing and look or whatever. True. True. You know, and then, I mean, it'd just be technology figuring it out, which if they did, then yeah, that's fine. I, I would, yeah, I don't care. I don't look at the standings most of the time myself anyway, hardly at all. Like when I put fish in, I may look, but if I don't catch a fish, I'll go, you know, if I've already got five and don't catch another one, I won't look until it's over. But, and I heard people say, you know, those who, see that they're doing poorly don't fish as well or whatever but i don't know why you would want to i mean if you're mentally not prepared to be fishing a tournament and that crushes you then why do we want to 
why I, that doesn't seem like the people that we want to yeah. um I see, exactly, I see what you're saying placate or whatever you know yeah so yeah, no. i don't know i mean i understand but i just think it's not as far as bands or you know your family or whatever watching i think you hold their interest more if they can at least watch all the way through yeah no i i entirely agree and, uh, and like you way. say if you had a live aspect of showing fishing while you were doing it, mm-hmm. you know, in the corner or something, that would really be, really be good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like and like you said, too, like, you submit and then you don't really look at it. I'm the same way because I am yeah. that mental person where it's like, okay, they're catching more fish or bigger fish than I am. I need to make moves. This is not working enough. I, I as soon as I, that, you know, that time starts where it's first cast, I don't uh, touch that app unless I'm submitting or calling a fish. Right, right. That is it. I won't look at it until maybe a week later to look back on the different standings. <laughs> right, that, right. That is that is it. But like, it makes you think, though. Like you, if you had that system that I kind of told you about, and there's like, oh, well, you might have people texting in that are friends or logging to somebody else's account to look. Uh-huh. It makes you almost kind of wonder, like with Bass Track, you know, those Bass guy, Bassmaster guys don't know the weights. So I wonder if people like text some of the the anglers be like, hey, you know, so and so is on a pattern and they they got weights coming in, you know. The only thing that they have that it's about it being a certain level, if you place in a certain deal, they give you a lie detector test. Oh yeah, that, and I that's like the national that's championship. Like I had to take one this year at the national championship, you know. So oh really? At a big enough one in kayak fishing, they do it, but in the smaller ones, that's just not reasonable. Yeah. But the smaller it is, the less that it would matter to to an extent, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I right. don't care if people know what I'm catching on Tourney X all day. Personally, I that's fine. I don't. Yeah. I just feel like it should be out there, and that's part of it. And if it, I don't even care if they were to watch the live fishing part. Personally. Because I feel like I'm doing things my way. The hardest fish to catch are somebody else's fish. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just yeah. what it is. So, Definitely. I mean, if it would attract fans and get us to where we need to go, I'm all with transparency on showing whatever they want to show to to make a to make something that people would want to watch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's. What, what the, when you had the lie detector text, uh, test, what did they do? Like, sit you down and say, is this your name? Like, are you actually Dwayne Beatty? Is this actually you? Like, what did they do? <laughs> um, just a bunch of random questions to start, you know, to get the baseline, I'm assuming. And then they ask you the same questions in different ways over and over and stuff. And, you know, just trying to trip you up or whatever. And But, yeah, if you, if you didn't do anything wrong, it's all fine. Yeah. I was always like worried, like I don't know how those things work. So like I was always, I always think about like if you had a lie detector test, but like it's like obviously your brain waves, right? So yeah, they, so yeah. you're like, did you cheat? And you obviously you didn't, but you're like, what if I did? Like what, <laughs> right, what happened? Exactly. Like, would that, oh, yeah, would that I was trigger nervous. it? You know? But yeah, it's like, I was nervous just from never having done one, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was fine. <laughs> so, That's yeah. So yeah, it works apparently. Oh my gosh, I it's just funny to think about like people like. I wonder how many people like accuse others of cheating and like saying, "Oh, they need a lie detector test or something like that." I, I've had that happen where I like I want to I want a NYKBF tournament on Cayuga and I won it in the first half an hour because I had nineteen, 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 and there's only three fish. <laughs> right. 
Right. So this guy like messaged you know, a good buddy of mine who was, was a tournament director, and a guy messaged him said, "This kid's cheating. There's no way he caught, mm-hmm. you know, these fish in a half an hour." He goes like he was holding him somewhere, and he goes, "I, I just remember my buddy responding, and he goes, hey, this guy called you out for for cheating or whatever.'" <laughs> and I just kind of like, "Oh, that's funny." And he goes, "Yeah, I told him you can just watch on your YouTube video later." <laughs> it was, right. Yeah, right. It's, Absolutely. It, it, it was funny. It's people kind of like obviously you know big money's at stake. You know, people want to do what they can, but, you know, kayak bass fishing in general or even fishing in general is supposed to be like a relaxing time. And I know it's a lot of guys' job, but, you know, it goes back to the basics where you're you're not stuck in a, a desk and, you know, an igloo and you're <laughs> you're not grinding on a computer. You're out on the lake, you know, take it easy a little bit there, bud. You know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I'm very serious once tournament time starts. Oh, yeah. But. I'm that guy. A lot of times I don't get any sleep before an event because <laughs> I'm up getting my stuff ready or whatever. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, I like I may not even look at a map other than to find the ramps. Oh, yeah. And then I just go and fish from the hip, you know, just just what feels right that day or whatever. And sometimes that just works. And then other lakes, I'm like, man, I really should have done some research on this one. <laughs> because <laughs> they vary a lot you know and yeah um but yeah it's just one of those deals where certain parts of it i'm like super serious about and then like leading up to it i'm not like right up until that minute i'm not serious at all and then as soon as it's time to go then then we're serious oh yeah yeah it's it's like a mix it's like a happy mix for me where it's like mm-hmm. uh I love competition. That's why I do tournaments. So I'm uh-huh. very, like, I want to be efficient. I want to be competitive. That's my main goal. But like, yeah. at the same time, like, at the end of the day, if I'm on good fish and I know a buddy isn't, I'm more than willing to, you know, share pattern, you know, tell him, hey, hey just take this spot. I'll go find something else. Like, <laughs> right. Kind of right. thing. But, dude, I totally hear you. It's like you're competitive but so relaxed at the same time. Like, when I yeah. fished that Cayuga and- tournament, I slept out of my truck and practiced the three days prior when there was mm-hmm. 25 mile per, mile per hour winds and I was like sleeping in in my truck because I didn't want to <laughs> go out on the lake because yeah, it's no so wind. Then when it, you know when you get out there, it's grind time. Like you got to learn. And it's me. I spent so much time like the night before. I had studied maps probably two weeks prior every single night for like two hours, like uh-huh. way more than you should have to. Right. And that night before, I was up probably till 4 a.m. when I had to be up at five, <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking at <laughs> avionics on my phone. Like, which decision do I make, you know? Yeah, that's that's still one of the things. I mean, I know it's kind of cliquish. There's certain people that help certain people, not everybody sometimes. But there's still so much more camaraderie and helping each other and stuff in kayak fishing than anything else I've ever done. I've fished bass tournaments where no one says a word to you in the weigh-in line. You go across the stage and weigh your fish, and no one says a word other than the the MC of the event or whatever. And you know, you go back to your truck and load, and nobody like you can go through a whole thing, and nobody will say a word to you. And you just don't see that in kayak fishing. Oh, I, I couldn't do that. I'm a, I talk to everybody. I I talk way too much, hence why I started this podcast thing. It was yeah. I mean, one of my reasons was I like to talk. So yeah, and. Uh, and and let me predicate that that is when you have a bad day and you're not in the mood to talk. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, true. you know, 
But no. but even in kayak fishing, if you have a bad day, people are still going to talk to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I mean, it's just it's just a different atmosphere. I can't explain it, but just the whole thing is just completely different. Yeah. And it's coming from both sides a lot. And there's a lot of people I know a lot of a lot of guys that fished bass boat stuff first and came over and almost everybody's the same way. They're like, man, this is just such a different atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. I had on. I think it was two weeks ago. I had Mike Elsion, who was uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, 19 national champion, and he he was describing to me how he started out fishing Bassmaster Opens, and you know he didn't change because he heard of the kayak fishing. He changed because obviously life happens, and yeah. he happened to get into kayaking. And he goes, dude. He goes, wait. We can be friendly for these tournaments. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, it's 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 awesome, and you see, it's cool to see a lot of the the boat guys. You know the 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 pros get into the kayaks like Jordan Lee's and native and mm-hmm. you know, Carl Jacobson sponsored by Hobie. Like it's, it's, it's pretty awesome to see them kind of venture into it. And you know, when they're not, yeah. you know, going hard, you know, with their tournaments, you know, they get that downtime. Yes. You see them in their boat, but also they're getting mm-hmm. that kayak out a lot more and experiment with that. And yeah. And I've heard a lot of people, you know, saying they're taking sponsorships that should be given to some of the top level people that we've got. And while I understand that, if they've got a bigger platform and they can bring people in, exactly. then that's going to help everybody eventually. So I, I get why companies yep. would do that, and I'm not against it at all. I think it's awesome. Oh, yeah. And I'd like to see more of them fish some of our tournaments. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great point. Like, in coming from me, I have a master's and a business degree. And for me, that's like how my mind works now is everything I've learned is like works as like business. But right. it's like I'm thinking about it. It's like, obviously, yes, they have a bigger platform. Would you rather sponsor somebody who's, I mean, obviously you want to sponsor somebody who's going to be very loyal and dedicated to your product, or would you rather sponsor somebody who's got crazy following that's loyal and that might not be using it as much, but will help you get to that greater following to help that guy that is loyal, you know? exactly. That's what's great about it, yeah. Rising tides lifts all ships type of thing. Great example, Dave Lefebvre. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He went out and crushed it on Lake Erie for Uh a tournament. And, you know, he obviously was, I can't remember what kayak, I think he's in a Hobie. I think he, I think it was a Hobie. But uh, pretty much what they were saying, it was like, he went on, it's like, just because I fish boater terms doesn't mean I can't fish kayak. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brought, I think, because that, you didn't see many, like, bass pros, like, like the boater pros in kayaks. And, like, once he, he fished, I think, one or two tournaments on Erie, Probably because he was more comfortable with Erie, because that's where he's. I think he's from. Yeah, he, he was he, literally fishing in his backyard. Like yeah. he could see his house, I think, from where he was fishing. <laughs> I think it opened a lot of eyes too, saying, "Oh, these pros can go fish these tournaments. They can come in and they can, you know, enter in and fish against." Yeah, and in the boater side, that's a big deal about pros fishing down. And my thought has always been. Until they get paid, whether they win or not, you know, like a basketball player or something, I have no problem with them fishing down as low as they want to fish. I don't see, I understand what people's arguments are, but I just don't see it. I, I like it. I, I used to fish bass, you know, as a co or a team tournaments in Oklahoma and Jason Christie and, um, Mike McClellan and, Jeff Crete and different people would be in a lot of those tournaments. And yeah. I thought that was awesome. It's neat when you're ahead of some of those guys, you know, at the end of the day. 
Oh, yeah, and it, it's got to be cool like as a co-langler, too. You learn so much from all these guys. Like, even if they're not a big name, a lot of those guys in the open. Yeah, these were, this was team events, not where you draw out with them. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. this was where I had a you know somebody I knew. We were team partners together, and they had somebody, you know, yeah. for for their team. That's got to be pretty cool. I mean, but yeah, it was neat. You, you beat know. them, you know? Yeah, you couldn't yeah, learn just... anything because you weren't in a boat with them, but yeah. Now, back in the day, um, we used to have a lot of that. That's a lot of where I learned a lot of my bass fishing was in just clubs, not pro level stuff, but just yeah. club level stuff where we had draw co anglers and you would fish with all these different guys. And we had some guys that, you know, were really good in our club that was in Ada, Oklahoma. And man, it. You can just fish with one person and just get so much insight in one day when you that you didn't know before. Because I mean, this was like when I, because you know when you when you don't fish tournaments, you think you're pretty good at fishing, and then you go to fish tournaments and you're like, man, because you know you come in, you've got just a little bit or nothing, and everybody's got all these big bags of fish, and you're like. Maybe I don't know as much as I thought I did. Yeah. But then you get these, you know, the more you fish with these other people, it really helps to huh. see different things and learn what you're, what you're, what you thought you were doing, but wasn't what was really going on. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was one of the things I was kind of thinking about uh, a couple of years ago is I wanted to be a co-angler because I know you can learn a lot from yeah. being, being a co-angler because just not even just watching them fish, but depending on who you draw just a simple conversation but also the one scary part was you know it could be a total waste of time because you can get absolutely very nice angler who might yeah like bfls and things like that you can absolutely draw somebody that you'll learn something you'll use the rest of your life or you can have somebody that you just wasted your time yeah but it's it's just one of those deals there was just a crapshoot yeah, yeah, and th- there were some horror stories that I've I I listened to Josh Bertrand, who's one of the MLF pros. I w- watched his uh, I listened to his his podcast Anglers Happy mm-hmm. Hour, and there was an episode they were going over horror stories of of co anglers and being uh-huh. an angler, and he was giving one story about uh, uh it was a co angler that said like if you don't run my spot, I think it was Jeff Crete that was on, and uh-huh. it was, he was saying how he had a co angler goes if you don't run my spot, I'm gonna trash you on stage when I talk. So it was like this thing, like, you know, you're in the struggle <laughs> of you want to run your own spots, but you don't want to run this guy's spots. But if you don't run his spot, he's going to trash you on stage. Oh, so it's, it's terrible, but it's like, you know, at that point, what do you do? Do you call the tournament director? Like, how do you how do you even handle that situation? It's yeah, it's like he's sitting there like, OK, I'm kind of glad that I'm in my kayak. I'm by myself. and <laughs> I can do my thing. Yeah. And one of the main things that you learn <laughs> is that you that finding fish is the key anybody can be back there and be a co-angler and catch fish when the other guy found them and put you on them oh yeah (laughs) you know and that's that's where the separation lies that's what makes the greatest anglers is being able to find fish because that that's just you know they're easy to catch once you find them basically yeah you know i mean there's variations to that yeah yeah but if it's a really bad day, usually everybody's having a bad day, and so you still just have to catch them comparative, you know, compared to the the yeah. others. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, and 
in case Josh is watching, I don't think it was Jeff Crete. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to remember his name. But if Josh is watching, I'm sorry. I totally forgot which person he <laughs> mentioned. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get away from a little bit of the tournament fishing. We've been talking almost 45 minutes about, you know, fishing kayak tournaments and the whole tournament scene. But uh, one thing I wanted to highlight is you make some of the coolest customized baits that I've seen. I want you to talk a little bit about that and your motivation behind creating those. Yeah, um, I've been painting baits since I was in high school, actually. We had a, I've been an artist about as long as I've been fishing. When I was supposed to be paying attention in school, I was always drawing on my <laughs> notebooks and things, you know. <laughs> and and Same, so, but mine was all doodles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so in high school, we had a, a lesson in the art. I think it was my senior year. We had an art lesson where we learned to use the airbrush a little bit. And I immediately was like, I've got to go home and get one of these so I can paint lures. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just cut and dried. And, you know, I'm 46 now. So, I mean, that's that's been a while. And so, um, at first, one of the biggest things about painting lures is to figure out a Re reasonable clear coat and things so that they're durable because I got paint pretty good back in the day but I hadn't figured out what to clear them with and it was probably 2000 2004 or 5 when I first sold a bait mm -hmm. other than maybe to friends or something and we started to sell them on eBay and I figured out an epoxy clear coat to use at the time not what I use now but you know it's reasonable it um, it's okay. And so we started selling some stuff on eBay and I was starting to get pretty good by then. Cause I'd been doing it quite a few years already, just mostly for myself or whatever. We basically started a, um, a gold rush by doing that because we were selling baits on there for a hundred and $200, just repainted lucky crafts and things. What? Yeah. Oh, it was Man. stupid for a while. Sheesh. And so once that, there was me and another guy, um, John Pryor, he was another one, and I believe it was Taterhog that still does baits. <laughs> I can't think of his name, Jeff, Jeff McBee or something. Anyway, it was like us three were just yeah. dominating that back then, and it literally started a gold rush. Like everybody paints baits now. There's so yeah. many. And now I use a spray clear. I can't talk about what it is, but it's the same thing that's on 316 swim baits. He yeah. basically told me what he had, made me sign an NDA. So I can't say what it is, but it's yeah. awesome. And it, 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 it's a, it does a great job of making a bait that's it looks not just pretty, but durable, you know? And yeah. so I use those and everything. And, I mean, I've just been doing it for so long, and a lot of these people that do this are either not, they're either fishermen and not artists, or they're artists and not fishermen, mm. and I've done both as long as I can remember, and it's not just about making a pretty bait, a lot of it has to do with contrast and the way you make different things, and things that trigger fish to actually yeah. bite, so, yeah. you know, I could... As an artist, I could actually make them more realistic, but I don't know how many people have fished a lot of, you know, over the years, they've had 
photorealistic baits like man's bait company did some back in the 80s or early 90s and i've just never gotten bit on those because they don't have the contrast and different things that they need to actually get bit and there's a certain level of realism that you can put in there but you always have to have certain elements that people just don't realize i mean there's reasons things like chartreuse with a black back or fire tiger or things that don't look like they should get bit do and there's it's just things that just from years and years of fishing and art both together that come together to make things that actually get bit yeah and that's got to be pretty cool because like when you go off to a tournament you know you're going to need a certain pattern and if you're a crankbait guy you know you can just go to your shop and whip up some things that you think you're going to use, or if you find that one thing is going to work a little bit better than another and needs an like, additional change, right? You can just kind of do that yourself. Yeah, and like I've literally thought, decided something was going to work, and I painted something the night before and then had it ready to go. That's pretty sweet. You know, like like one of those nights where I don't sleep and I clear coat <laughs> them and then take them out and put hooks on them and put them in the boat and ready to go. But as many colors and patterns as we do i personally still keep it pretty simple i mean i use my stuff mm-hmm. but like in crawdads i use a green a brown and a red mm-hmm. now i may have two or three in each one of those but on any given day within the crawdad family there they're going to be green brown or red and that's what the yeah. bass are going to eat so you know i usually have variations of those things and then you know shad or whatever and then a few little specialty things like yellow perch or different things if i'm going to some crazy place that has something weird and then i paint things for like california and florida have a lot of the um golden shiners so i paint that because you don't see too many name brand baits that do things like that and let's see they most most do herring now since there's been so many pro tournaments that have herring but mm-hmm. a lot of them don't do them right their back is supposed to be green a blue back herring has a green back <laughs> just back just science they yeah. have blue on the shoulders but the actual black is green and a lot of the factory colors just don't really look like a blue back herring we don't have those but i've had people that live in areas that do catch them for me and send me pictures and stuff you know to yeah to figure out all these colors and things but i keep it pretty simple but i still want something that the fish haven't seen so i like to use my colors but they're still kind of basic colors like they're advanced versions more detailed the same simple things you know that you would you know get in a factory bait that's got to be pretty sweet to catch one on something you created though oh yeah it's awesome like i have a color called cricket shad that is based on a really old color but it's like a newer version of it and it's almost like a tennessee shad with silver where the gold would be and it's green behind it instead of black and then it's got a little bit of a little a few little things added to it but i caught a smallmouth that was six pounds three and a half ounces on that dang on one of my square bills so yeah when something like that happens it is definitely really cool i mean when you first start every fish you catch it's awesome you're like oh man i painted that 
you know, and it, it never really goes away, but when you really get one, you know, that's really yeah. big or something that that's always a big bonus when it's on something you did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially a six through small mouth of anything too. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually in a small lake here locally that has a few small mouth, but they're huge. Some of them. Yeah. And I actually caught that fish twice. I caught him on a mega bass jerk bait that I had painted in my baby shad pattern like two and a half years before that. And I got to comparing the pictures and it was the same one. I was like, wow, that is awesome. He was six pounds and one ounce the first time I caught him. And then like two and a half years later, he'd gained like two and a half ounces or whatever. Yeah, so. ounces for that long? <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming it's about topped out. It's about as big as it's going to get. Yeah. yeah that's so. nuts. Yeah. I saw a post, you know, I think it was this, it was this morning. Yeah, it wasn't yesterday. It was this morning. There was an eight, a guy caught an 8.3 smallmouth. Like, that's... Oh, wow. What? Yeah. It was 23 now, inches. <laughs> now, six-something, six I don't know how big that is up there, but down here, that's only a pound off the state record. What, a, a six? Yeah, like six six pounds, three and a half ounces. I think I think seven-four is our state record. So Seven-four? So, yeah. yeah his post said, like, it broke the state record in, like, 32 states. Yeah. Like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah like, we, we don't have any that big, <laughs> yeah. I think it's like 8 11 up yeah, here. See, that's just like that in New York, yeah. Well, we also have Erie and Ontario. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. York, if so. you catch a if you catch one over about four pounds here, that's pretty big. Dang, yeah. See, we have we have an abundance of those here, especially right. right. I live in Rochester, New York, which is an it's the heart of the Finger Lakes, mm -hmm. so it's like. Even the Finger Lakes, you get a, a surplus of four or five pounds smallmouth. That yeah, that school you're gonna have the sixes. Right, right. You, like my buddy was catching dirty thirties in the Finger Lakes of smallmouth this fall. It was, yeah, yeah it's crazy. We're we're probably a lot more likely to catch a ten pound bass than a six pound smallmouth here. Sheesh, you're pretty proud of that then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually caught a ten pound bass at the national championship in at Caddo. That was pretty cool. <laughs> there's a the time second, to catch it yeah it's only the second one i've ever caught in my life that was over 10 pounds so only so, the yeah. second one and i've yet to break six two <laughs> well <laughs> that, but you can go catch a six two smallmouth almost any yeah. time so yeah. it's kind of a trade-off for living up north i guess <laughs> yeah yeah a, a six and a half like seven pound smallmouth is is like a 10 pounder up here so it's 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 cool but um, so we're going to transition a little bit into a couple of questions I have to kind of wrap things up. But before we do, um, first and foremost, how can people get a hold of you for uh, social media and how to, can they um, order any of your, your baits? All right. The baits are on skirmishbaits.com. Skirmish as in a fight, you know, like a battle. Yep. S-K-I-R-M-I-S-H. Yep. Whatever the link is, we will link it down in the description. Okay, yeah. Skirmishbaits.com is where the baits are all located. Um, you can find me under my name, Dwayne Beatty, on Facebook, Dwayne Beatty Kayak Fishing, or my personal account. Dwayne is spelled funny. It's D-W-A-I-N. And then, like, on Instagram, it's Dwayne Beatty. And instead of being B-A-T-E-Y, I made it B, the number eight, and an E for short. So that one's kind of a... But yeah, like if you can put them on there, that'll be a lot easier for people. Cool. Yeah, yeah, they'll all be linked in the description. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that the eight was there until a couple of days ago when I uh -huh. you out we were making sure that today was still a go, and I saw I'm like, 
Oh, that makes sense. That was- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, one of my cousins, I saw one of my cousins had that in her Instagram thing, and I was like, "Man, that's neat. I'm stealing that. So I'm taking it." Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we have the same last name. I like that. I'm gonna do that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what is there any pro staff or anything you want to shout out as well? Yeah, um, I'm on the Hobie team, obviously. So I really really am really proud to be in that hobie 360 this year i can't wait to see how that's going to go down and i get that from my local shop which is omtc ozark mountain trading company we're about to start our um season of shows and stuff i've got a show this saturday i'll be in um missouri and springfield i would give you more dates or more it's saturday and sunday i'll be there saturday I'm not even sure. I didn't. I haven't even looked at yet where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> I should have had that ready, but um, right. I'm still on the catch team. Where it wasn't just a last year. You know, we had the the at the national championship. We had the challenge cup. I got picked for the catch team for that. But I'm also on the catch team, and we're doing that again this year. Uh-huh. So we'll have the challenge cup team, and then we're we've been filming. Um, we've got a YouTube channel, Catch Outdoors. We got some really awesome stuff. We've got a full-time videographer who is following us around. They filmed me the whole time at the KBF Cup, so there's a really neat video on that. They've filmed some of our other anglers on some really good venues, Dusty Yacker and, um, let's see, I think we have one with, um, we have our national championship one. They missed me catching the 10 pounder. They were following Jamie Broad because it's his home water, which that makes absolute perfect sense to me. Yeah. But I caught him on day one before anybody knew I was going to do so well. I had caught like five fish in practice there, so I didn't know. Yeah. So anyway, so um, the catch outdoors and then obviously the catch boards on the catch products inc. Um, skirmish baits, like we said, you can find it on the website and we're on Facebook. And then also my newest sponsor would be Taylor Mans. Okay. Well, actually I've got two new sponsors for the year. Taylor Mans Custom Lures that used to sponsor Bradley Roy and Brandon Card in the BASS. He makes custom jigs, spinner baits, um, buzz baits, wire baits, basically. Yeah. And... They're made in North Carolina. Almost everything but the hook and I guess the skirt tabs are made in the USA. He uses absolute highest quality stuff and wire ties the skirts on and everything. And we're going to design, you know, the FLW cup. I was throwing a little buzz bait, like an eighth ounce little buzz bait. Well, there's not one that's exactly what I want. So we're about to design one and then we're going to get that put out. And we're also going to make a small jig. He doesn't have a... Um, I, I throw a really small jig a lot of times. And we're, there's, there's a couple good ones out there now, but there's a couple features that aren't on them that I'm going to incorporate. So we're going to come out with two things with him. And awesome. then my other new sponsor, and that's Taylor Mann's Custom Lures, and it's tmclures.com. And then my other new one is Dakota Lithium. 
Hey, okay. Yeah, those are awesome, man. I got my little power box, and that's been really cool for powering. You know, I was using the um, Nakua batteries before. Yeah. And this thing is really awesome. It charges in so much faster than the Nakua did. It used to take, you know, a lot of times when you'd get through at the end of the day and you'd plug your Nakua in to charge it overnight for the next morning at a tournament. It wouldn't be done quite yet. This one, in just a short time, these are charging up. So I've really, really been happy with those since we, since I switched over and got those. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Pretty exciting for a 2020. Good team behind you. Absolutely, yeah. This the the thing with catch filming a lot of stuff. That that's one of the really big deals, and we're going to continue to do that. So, and. They filmed, they filmed several things last year, and I think we've got four or five out, and they're doing some stuff on Midwest Outdoors on TV up there. I don't know exactly where all that covers, but but they've been filming stuff for that, and that's been really neat, too. That's awesome. Well, congrats, congrats again. Thanks. Yeah, so we'll, we'll move forward into these last couple questions here before we wrap up. Um, there's two questions, uh, two questions that are pretty fun to ask because every person's answers answers different. Right. Um, so we'll start off the first one, and it is if you could invite any three people, past or present, to dinner to pick their brains, who would they be? Could be absolutely anybody. Doesn't have to be fishing. Right. Um, for the fishing side, number one, I'd probably pick Gerald Swindle. Okay. I'm a big fan of his. I know him. I paint for him and stuff, but we've never got to fish together or sit down, you know, for an extended period and talk. Um, I've delivered baits to him when he was here close to us at the classic and stuff. And I got to talk to him for quite a while, but I was respectful and didn't talk fishing. Does that make sense? You know, I find that those pros don't like to talk fishing or they, that's what everybody does. So I try not to do that. I try to talk about regular things when I meet a pro most of the time. Yeah. But, but if I was, I would like to do that. Let's see. Um, business side, Gary Vaynerchuk would be really awesome. That's a good one. I'd like to talk to him, of course. Yeah. And let's see from history. Um, Albert Einstein. I don't know. <laughs> So, something off the wall there. I like that. Yeah, I think uh, I had Ronnie Moore on here from Bassmaster, and, uh-huh. he, and he mentioned Gary V as well. Nice, nice. A good one. I, I'm going to have to start listening more to Yeah, yeah. He's got some good stuff. Yeah. Lots of insight. I like that. Cool. So, we'll, we'll wrap up with this last question here. Uh, this is just a good one. I think it like ends on a high note. Um, and it's just your, it's pretty simple. First thing that comes to your mind is you know, your favorite fishing memory. Um, man, especially because it's so recent, it's got to be that 10 pounder at Caddo. I was throwing a, <laughs> I was throwing a chatterbait, a jackhammer, and I had just bought it that night before because I had chatterbaits and I had jackhammers with me, but I catch a lot on black and blue or different variations of white here. And I needed a green and red one or whatever. And so I went and paid 22 bucks for one at Bass Pro Shops the night before. Yeah. But 
you know, I caught a 10 pounder on it, so I'm not going to yeah. complain. But yeah, yeah, I slow rolled that thing next to a, a cypress tree that was near the main channel out by itself and just rolled up on it and I got it. And it was trying to break my rod going under the front of the boat and I finally got it around and got it in the net and got a terrible picture that doesn't look near as big as it was. <laughs> but <laughs> the one on the board that counted was good, so that was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to, you know, I, on my Hobie, I set my phone on the where the there's a little place for you can put a sail or whatever yeah. it's got a little hole there and i just lean it right there and set the timer and then i back up and the fish is like rotated it's not facing down you know i need to rotate it forward more and it's kind of like showing its belly almost and yeah. that was the only photo i got of course people have been following me you know or in the area and stuff all day i could have got a picture the one time I, I start leaving one area and going to another and I catch that fish, there's no one around. <laughs> no one to take a picture for me. It's when you just put it in the net, keep it in the water, and then start, start screaming and wait for the first person to come over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was making a lot of noise and no one was around. I mean, it was Sheesh. completely no one. So I, I was looking around. I was like, if anybody's even close, I'm going to go over there. No, yeah. there was no one. So, so I did what I could. and I mean, yeah. it's not that bad, but it wasn't be better is what you're saying. yeah and yeah. i mean the the one on the board is awesome like i've got the flip it um that whole like a turny tag yeah. top deal but it's the flip it one that turns up i had to move it i had to take it off the velcro and put it way up in the corner because his head was covering most of the identifier that's how <laughs> thick it was oh it was insane it was only 24 inches and wow, that'd be fat yeah, yeah, ten point six four pounds on them. I use the same scale that they use on MLF that Brick Brick Bricknell Bricknell Sampson yeah. scale. Yeah, I use one of those. It's super accurate, so I have no doubt it was what it said. But yeah, I was like, wow, because I mean, he was so big around. I mean, the girth on it was just stupid. You're gonna have to uh, send that over to be one of the photos that we feature. Yeah, yeah, social sure. media. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah but one thing. Uh, I guess I'll recommend you because you said you use a, a timer for the photo. Uh huh. Just you should just put it on uh, video mode. That way you can screenshot from the video. That's what I do with all of my my you know, my tournaments. I don't take photos. I take a video. Uh -huh. I start the video. That way it started. Yeah. I don't have to mess around with taking the picture from up here. I just take right. a video. I hold the fish or what what not. Put the video over it. Make sure it's on, and then take mm -hmm. it back. I take a screenshot of the video. Nice, nice, yeah. yeah. You don't have any blurry photos or anything like, like that. Like a long time ago, I used to do some of that with a GoPro, but it was like probably a Hero 3, and the screenshots <laughs> weren't very good. But I'm sure yeah. by now that that's not the case and that the even the phone screenshots are probably great. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's, that's what's worked out. I mean, it's you don't miss it. So it's yeah. yeah. Photo, you take one or two, they both might be bad, where a video... Right. At some point, you're going to have that full thing in the picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, sweet, you know, Dwayne. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to have you on tonight. I mean, it's been a, the longest episode in a, in a while, in a, in a few a few weeks. So it's it's a pleasure to have you on. Pick your brain, hear your story, um, and I, I'm pretty excited to see what you're going to do in 2020, man. I, I hope you, it brings you a lot of success, and I'm jealous to see you out in that 360. And, you know, for me, trying to do a full circle of my radar, it takes me about you know, five minutes to get going back in where I wanted to. So, 
Oh, no. Well, I'm glad to have been here and appreciate to have me on. Yeah, of course, yeah. Down the road, after we've been through a few few tournaments, we'll, uh, we'll have to get you back on here for sure, a recap sure. and see yeah. how things are going. Absolutely. So. I'd love to. Awesome. Well, you have a good night, and we'll keep in touch. All right. You too. Thanks. Sounds good. Hey, guys. I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler Podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps me be able to create content for you guys and also helps me, you know, pay the bills, which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.